Oh, hi there, and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherjarko, and this week I was joined once again by my husband and co-host, Winston Shaw, to talk about some of our favorite movies in the world, The Guardians of the Galaxy. You may have heard about this movie Endgame that's coming out later this month. I don't know if it's really a big deal or anything, but we're returning to some Marvel-themed episodes in honor of this upcoming film, and we thought we'd kick it off with a fun one. Okay, I have many exciting announcements, but I'm going to start off with our most exciting announcement, which is that we have our very first sponsor. I am absolutely thrilled to announce that ZipRecruiter is sponsoring this episode of Pairing, and that if you go to ZipRecruiter.com pairing, you can try it for free. I'll tell you more about it later on, but ZipRecruiter is an amazing resource for business owners and employers to find employees with the talent and experience that will fit their needs. And if you sign up by following the link in the show notes, or going to ZipRecruiter.com pairing, you can post your first job for free. Thank you so much to ZipRecruiter for being a part of this monumental moment for us. And speaking of sponsorships, if you want to help us get more sponsors, you can help us out by taking our pairing listener survey at bit.ly slash pairing survey. It takes about 10 minutes to complete, but there are pictures of the cats on there, and your feedback will be invaluable to us in making pairing a better and more accessible show. You can remain entirely anonymous, but if you choose to give us your email, I'll send you a personalized thank you email with a wine fun fact. Thanks to those of you who have already taken the survey. I'm already implementing some of your incredible feedback, so thank you so, 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 so much. And speaking of people to thank, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. Thank you to Sarah Wheatley and Kyle Spiegel. And a huge thank you to Rena Sarame, who upped her pledge to become a pairing producer. Thanks to Rena and Emma Cohen, our superstar producers, and Mara Zobrist, our celestial advanced producer, we are getting closer and closer to our next goal. If you head over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, you'll notice that we're making some changes. First of all, to be a producer is now just $12 a month. That's right, for just $12 a month, you can get thanked in every single episode. And the rewards are now more focused on bonus content. I get tons of requests for episode topics, and even if we keep making the show until the heat death of the universe, we can't possibly cover them all. So we're now providing mini-episodes and live-streamed full episodes on topics of patrons' requests as rewards for producers and advanced producers. The more folks who sign up, the more content we can create. So come check it out. As always, thank you so much for sharing us with your friends. Word of mouth is really the best possible thing for the show, and we love getting new people listening in. Without further ado, here is episode 35, The Guardians of the Galaxy. Winston, I don't know if you know this, but Avengers Endgame, I think, is coming out in like a couple weeks. (laughs) Weird. I know. I know you haven't seen anything about it on social media. It hasn't been advertised at all. Um, So I'm glad to be here personally telling all of you about this thing that's happening that I discovered. This Did is, you know I discovered? Yeah, this is a new one on me. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let me know. Um, it's like this little niche kind of movie studio, and so it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm just so, kidding. You oh, all have the, seen advertisements. This is the most popular franchise of all time. It's right a joke. Now. It's a joke. It's okay. a joke. Um, Winston, welcome back to pairing. It's oh, been a thank hot you so minute. So much, thank you so much for having me. Um, we are actually, if it sounds a little bit different, we're recording this out in our living room because it has been really hot. It's like the first and day of spring. It is. Well, it's almost like the first day of summer. It was like seventy degrees today. Yeah. <laughs> Skipping and spring, going directly to summer. Yes, yes. Um, because and there was climate much change. Okay, so speaking of Avengers, we are going to talk about one of my favorite franchises in within the MCU and that is Guardians of the Galaxy. Boop, boop, boop. 
So we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy because we're super excited about what's going on, what's coming up in the MCU. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Infinity War at this point, I guess stop if you care because there are going to be spoilers. So at the end of Infinity War, all of the Guardians of the Galaxy, as far as we know it, have either died or been disintegrated. Except for Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon does not get disintegrated. Oh, he doesn't? I thought... And um, Groot. No, Groot Groot does. does. Groot does, but Rocket doesn't. All of them have died or been disintegrated except for Rocket and... Well, um, Nebula. Nebula. But she's not technically a guardian. Yeah, she's not... She's like... She's she's not an official guardian. She's not an official guardian. But yeah, so Rocket and Nebula. For some reason, I was confusing Rocket and Groot. Um, Okay. Well, so... Quick little segue here. So... Um, as you may know, pairing listener, we now have a pairing audience survey, and it would mean so, so much to me if you would go fill that out at bit.ly slash pairing survey. Um, but for those of you who have already filled out the survey, I've gotten some really great feedback. And one of that feedbacks, one of those feedbacks. It was like, no more Winston. No. For God's sake. No. No. One of the feedback. Uh, points was actually people want to hear a little bit more about wine which is awesome and I'm super super thrilled that our listeners are interested in that if you're listening and you don't care about it I'm sorry but I'm gonna give a little bit more wine info this time let's talk wine because there's no way I'm gonna have anything really insightful to add beyond like the music is cool well Chris Pratt's cute and I wish he wasn't part of that church and yeah yeah thanks So, so let's educate. Yeah. Okay. So let me start off by saying, so we're drinking a Gruna Veltliner. Gruna Veltliner. Gruna Veltliner, which is, <laughs> which is uh, an Austrian, an Aus- Austrian wine. We've, we've, we've talked about it before. And um, so Gruner Veltliner is probably the most prolific grape from Austria. It's what got Austria really famous in recent years as we've talked about a little bit austrian wine when underwent a like total revolution like 40 years ago or something 30 or 40 years ago and so austrian wine as we know it today is totally different from how it used to be apparently maybe not entirely sure but this one is one of my favorites and it's uh from the producer burger berger berger i've got my my glass of grunavellina now grunavellina Prost. Prost. But so part of why I love this wine is because, or part of why I love Austrian Gruner. Yeah, there's like some amazing, amazing high-end producers of Gruner, but this is in a liter bottle and it was like $12. And that's my favorite thing. Yeah, it's, it's like drinkable. It's, like it's got a little classic. bit more body yeah, than like a, your typical, um, whatchamacallit. Like Pinot Grigio or... The, or... Um, the other German one. What's the other German Riesling? one? Riesling. Riesling. Yeah. Riesling. Yes. Though, I mean, we all know how I feel about Riesling. But, oh, yeah. um, but Gruner, Gruner, yes. It, it typically has a little bit more body, but it's it's still nice and dry, bright. It's got, the, the one thing it's got that makes it kind of interesting is that kind of phenolic quality to it. What is that? So phenols are what comes, are the, the bitterness in wines that come from the grape skins. It's like a pH type deal? Uh, not really. Okay. No, um, I mean pH like the way the word is spelled. Yes, pH is the way <laughs> okay. the word is spelled. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yes, yes. I, but not in terms of... I don't know anything about not, science. Not in terms of base and acidity. So uh, you get just like this little bit, and you get it from Pinot Grigio. You sometimes get it from some Sauvignon Blancs, but it's that little bit of bitterness that you get from from a white wine. Ooh. Yeah, and and so in, in white wine, we call it a phenolic quality, while in... In red wine, you might call it tannin. Mm. It's a little bit different, but it's it's that kind of bitterness that the grape skin is imparting, it's and the that grape last seeds. Thing, isn't the, it? Yeah, that, that sort of finish. real final taste mm-hmm. finish. Yeah, because before that, it has like a nice sort of tart quality. Yeah, and it's going down. Doesn't have that effervescence thing quite, but it's no. all it's close. Though speaking of effervescence, so I also had gotten, and the 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 wine that I kind of wanted to pair with this with the Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole was a Rosé Vino Verde, because mm. Vino Verde. So it's a it's a wine from, and both of these wines, by the way, I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a little bit about why I picked them specifically for the Guardians of the Galaxy. But so for Vino Verde. 
Vino Verde is this slightly effervescent white wine coming from Portugal, from Portugal. And the reason why I wanted to do like a Vino Verde or a Rosé Vino Verde is that they're light, they're easy, they're fun, they're delicious. And I feel like that's perfect for these movies because Guardians of the Galaxy are some of my favorite movies to watch. They're the, period. Period. Not just in the MCU. Like we watch Guardians 2 so much <laughs> just to like <laughs> when we don't know what else to put on or if we're going to sleep or something like so I'm a four-year-old child and I need a comfort movie to go to sleep yeah yeah well that's <laughs> fine that's fine we all do we all do at this point but yeah so that was my idea for for a, a general pairing for Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm going to talk more about Vino Verde a little bit later on um, but so the tough thing about Vino Verde is yes uh, may, I, may I interject? Yes. Okay. My only counterpoint to that about the easy drinking, yeah. comforting yeah. wine is it's also, so it's like a, it, it's a celebration of being really old school yeah. and sort of timeless, out mm-hmm. of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's in the future, or not the future, but the galaxy. It's, it's in the alternate present. Yeah. So as a counterpoint, I sort of wanted to ask if you had any ideas about like, what is like a super solid OG... Super solid, like easy classic, drinking easy drinking yeah. wine. Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I'd go back to the classics of, you know, Bordeaux, Chianti, Sancerre. Sancerre. Yeah, little oysters, San- little Sancerre. We're almost there. Absolutely. We're not there yet. Absolutely. Yeah, Sancerre is kind of a good one for Guardians, actually, because it's very, very classic, but also fun. You know, it's it's like Sancerre is one of those wines that I don't I don't feel like you know snobby wine people sit around, sw- you know, swilling their glasses and and going, oh, the Sancerre is so par. I mean, yes, sure, there are people who do that, but for the most part, like Sancerre is fun. It's a fun, classic great wine region it's like so, i'm chilling in a cafe yeah. i got me a dozen oysters yeah i'm writing in my diary yeah and i'm having some sancerre for like six francs because it's 1920 something and i'm hemingway you yeah you don't have to love hemingway by the yeah, way yeah we, he does we talk just a had a sancerre. we just had our our classic heming our perennial hemingway faulkner argument the other night <sighs> <laughs> I feel like we also just watched Legally Blonde, and I feel kind of like Selma Blair in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which, speaking of, this is an interesting segue. I'm definitely Um, not Elle Woods. I think I'm the weird guy who, like, holds your bag in the library. Yeah, or or comes with the the law book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I love that. But so speaking of Selma Blair, this is kind of a weird segue. But so, okay, so there's obviously, there's been this huge James Gunn controversy in the news and he got fired about a year ago, I would say, um, from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. If you don't know, James Gunn is the director of the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The writer of the second one. James Gunn is kind of the heart of the Guardians chapter of the MCU and it is one of the chapters that has the most heart and you would argue I would argue very much influenced Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok and seems very much like the direction that the MCU is headed as a whole is kind of towards this fun nostalgic comedy. Well and it's also what's made it hands down better than the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way. For sure. With the notable exception of Wonder Woman and kind of Aquaman, the films have been so self-serious. Yeah. And so... Which Shazam is coming out this week. Oh, great. And Shazam is supposed to very much veer in a different direction. Oh, but also Selma Blair appeared at the Oscars this year for like the first time with multiple... Yeah, with, sclerosis? I believe with mul- I believe has? she has it. I'm yes. gonna I'm so gonna double check that. Was incredibly brave. I double checked it. Yes, Selma Blair. She's been diagnosed with MS or multiple sclerosis, and she's been just amazing and gorgeous and just handling it like a like an absolute champion. And she appeared with a cane and was interviewed mm-hmm. during this year's Oscars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Was. 
but so the reason why i brought up summer blair other than the fact that i feel like i'm like her character in legally blonde is that she was one of the people who first came out in support of james gunn when he first got fired um and so the big news is recently he got rehired and so the the scandal was like 10 years ago or more he tweeted something tasteless and he's since he's publicly he'd already apologized for it he's said he's turned a corner he was you know trying to get attention essentially you can look it up you can look up what he says and you can choose for yourself what you choose to believe but it seems like james gunn was a stupid young man and he has since grown up doesn't excuse it does not saying excuse. shitty things Mm-mm. when he was younger mm but we are talking here about somebody making a joke on Twitter. Yes. Not, um, not sexually assaulting people. Yeah. Not drugging them. Not doing. And it, it's also worth noting that the people who dug this up are Nazis. Mm-hmm. Don't don't take it from me. We're not going to get into it whether James Gunn is good or bad. To me, it seems like he's someone who did a stupid thing and has turned a corner and has apologized for it. And it's not a stupid thing where he physically hurt someone else. It is a thing where he said something stupid on the internet. But so Selma Blair came out in support of James Gunn getting rehired um, because she said something along the lines of if people who make mistakes and apologize for them and recognize them are then punished long after even the apology, what message does that send? She said something along those lines. The only member of the cast who like actively vocally or the main cast of the guardians who actively vocally came out in support of james gunn was dave bautista who plays drax who is the best let's go over the cast real quick yeah okay so interjection yes yes i'm sorry i'm sorry to start off on such a dark and sinister note dark. It <laughs> but, was a dark and stormy night in hollywood well i just want to say the 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 good news is for me is that james gunn was rehired because it seems like Disney and Marvel and whatever came to their senses and realized that if they were going to hold everyone to this standard, they might get themselves into a little bit of trouble. I think it's also worth noting that the campaign was organized in bad faith by far-right Nazi elements. Exactly. Who like to spend most of their time posting little Pepe the Frog memes and harassing female comic book writers mm-hmm. and female programmers. It's It's that sect of wonderful people yeah all of whom by the way are horrible yes yes proceed so okay (laughs) so this this actually this leads well into what i have planned because i have a different wine pairing for each of the main guardians of the galaxy of the main five huzzah huzzah so we're going to start with everyone's favorite tree groot i am groot i am groot we are groot we are groot we are Groot, uh, voiced by, you know, the incomparable Vin Diesel. The inimitable. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, there's not much to say about that, except, you know, I was reading about James Gunn talking about how he had a couple other people read I Am Groot, you know, in different, because I think as they were filming the first Guardians, they all they didn't have a voice yet right. for Groot or Rocket, I think. And and so once Vin Diesel came into it, and Vin Diesel was like, this is kind of one of the biggest acting challenges I've ever had. And this from the man of The Fast and the Furious. This. <laughs> hey, I actually and think. I love Vin Diesel. I think he's quite underrated in Pitch Black. Mm-hmm. Well, I never that, saw it. Is it Pitch Black? I, I think that's the it. first one where he plays Riddick. Oh, okay. He, I've seen the Chronicles yeah. of Riddick. Yeah. The so f- Chronicles of Riddick, like, he has that later, but it, the first one is pitch black, and he plays the same oh. character, and he's the only one who can see in the dark because he has the weird things. Um, I don't know. I think he does well when you have something to do. Vin Diesel, you're awesome. Way to be a role model. Fabulous. We love you. We love you. Join our D&D group. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I would love it if Vin Diesel joined our D&D group. Okay, so but just talking about Groot. So I, I was thinking about different 
different wines to pair with the different guardians, not necessarily the actors who portray them, but the different guardians. And this one was the easiest to make a connection to because there is a winery in South Africa called Groot Constantia. And so as you may remember from the- Why are they called that? I will tell you in just a moment. Groot Constantia is one of the wineries in South Africa that broke off from the general Constantia wine region or winery that was established in 1685. And it has since broken off into Groot Constantia and Klein Constantia. And Groot Constantia, as I understand it, means greater or larger Constantia, and Klein means smaller uh, or small, little, little Constantia. Yeah. So my mom's maiden name is Klein. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of consider myself a Klein, and, and in German what it means is small or short. So this is, I think, this is Dutch or the, the Afrikaans. Yeah. I, it's probably Dutch uh, yeah. because, because it got broken up when it was, uh, you know, colonized yeah. by Dutch. Yeah, it's Dutch, but it's Dutch, probably but... not too far from that. No, 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 no. I think, I think it's very close. So, so... Um, but I think it's perfect because Groot, obviously, being Groot the tree, and I wonder if this was on purpose. I wonder if if they if they named him with this uh, linguistic little thing in mind. But Groot little means Easter egg. Well, yeah, but Groot means big, and he starts off as very big, and then he comes back after being the most adorable, self-sacrificing tree in the world, and he comes back and he's climbing. It's very quite. Small. It's quite possible he, um, I think the Guardians started in the late 60s, early 70s and mm-hmm. part of the Silver Age and was like really sort of marginal comic book. Yeah. But in, first of all, the original Guardians of the Galaxy team is the team with Sylvester Stallone that you yeah. see in the second movie. And with uh, Michelle Yeoh, Yeah, right? like Starhawk and whatever their characters are mm-hmm. called. And then Groot, when Groot shows up, there's like this really tragic backstory for yeah. how he can only say I am Groot. Like they used to be able to talk, but then his race tried to like conquer the galaxy and they were destroyed and some cosmic being made it so that they could only say I am Groot. And that's the only thing they can, they can say, but yeah. they have to try to express emotion anyway. And Groot's one of the last surviving members of his race. It's very true. Like the, the marginal Marvel comics get into like yeah. weird, crazy tragedy fun times. Totally. You can go down a Wikipedia hole for days. Totally. And I encourage you to. But I just wanted to draw this back real quick to the Constantia Winery in South Africa. Groot Klein. Groot Klein. And which is fun. But this is also the winery of the Vent de Constance, which I mentioned in the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban episode, which is now that part of it is owned by Klein Constantia. So I believe it is now the Klein Constantia Vent de Constance, which is a dessert wine. This is all in Austria? Ostergeisch? No, this is in South Africa, my love. South Africa? We're in oh. a very different place. Oh, South Africa. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I was talking about South Africa in the Harry Potter, the last Harry Potter episode in Prisoner of Azkaban, and I failed to mention possibly the most iconic thing about South African wine, which is Pinotage. And Pinotage is a grape, I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but just kind of scattered. Um, Pinotage is a grape that is unique to South Africa. I'm pretty sure you don't see Pinotage anywhere else in the world. And it is a grape that was genetically engineered by mankind. Like it's not something, like some grapes are are genetic crosses. Um, yeah, so was it like a, a vine, like cross cutting kind of deal? I don't know. Like... I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it, but they but they manufactured it. But it wasn't like it Jurassic wasn't, Park where they were like... It didn't happen. It, well, kind of, kind of like Jurassic Park. Oh. It, it wasn't, it wasn't something that happened naturally. It's something that people did. While other grapes, they kind of crossbreed and they can become, they can create new grapes Okay. organically, but I guess. But this wasn't like City of Oz. It wasn't like snip, snip here and a cut, cut there and I put the vine right here. I don't know exactly Close how it happened. The way to be, we want. I don't know exactly how it happened. It could have happened like that. But this has happened a few times and there's a few different grapes that are kind of man-made genetic 
crosses. And Pinotage is probably the most famous of these genetic crosses. And so I have a I have a kind of love-hate relationship with Pinotage, which is that I mostly hate it. <laughs> I'm really sorry, anybody from South Africa who's listening. Preach girl. Well, the majority, at least the majority of Pinotage that is exported is terrible. I'm sorry. It's really, really bad. It kind of tastes like burnt rubber to me. And so, so Pinotage, it's a, it's a genetic cross between the great Pinot Noir and Cinso. Um, and Cinso is kind of one of the Rhone varietals. So from the yeah, Southern Rhone. Yeah, what the Cinso even is? It's mostly a blending grape from the Rhone Valley in Southern France. But you do see it on its own. And I've actually had some 100% Cinso's both from France and South Africa that are very, very good. And, and California too. But, but Pinotage is this weird cross between Pinot Noir and Cinso, which are two fairly light kind of herbal, light, fruity grapes. And they somehow create this wine that, is, that can be very dense and like have this burnt rubber quality to it. That being said, there are some very, very good Pinotages. And it is, it is South Africa's quintessential grape. So, but this reminds me of Rocket. Because Rocket, as I understand it, was kind of quote unquote man-made and like genetically engineered to be a like talking, thinking, super brilliant raccoon that then broke out of his mold kind of a la Logan or a la Wolverine. Apparently his original purpose was to be a companion pet Mm. for old and dying people. That's right. Like they had this weird galactic retirement home and they would custom make little sentient companion animals to live with these old dying rich aliens and then for some reason he didn't feel like being a slave Hmm. <laughs> to a retirement why. home. I wonder why. I wonder why that <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know. So you I feel try like, and put yourself in these people's heads. Right. But I feel like so so Rocket is often looked down upon throughout the movies and that's something he's constantly struggling against is how he is perceived and his kind of overcompensating. Cuz he's a wild genius. Absolutely cuz he's a wild genius voiced by Bradley Cooper. Oh, actually this is a fun one. So so he's voiced by Bradley Cooper, but they didn't I think they hadn't cast Bradley Cooper until after they'd finished filming. Really? I think so. I'm not positive on that. But in any case, Bradley Cooper was not really a part of the filming process. He came in later and did I think they did some motion capture of his face. So like when there's facial things that are going on with Rocket. That's... Like when he's on Groot's shoulder and he's shooting the gun. He's sure. Like, <laughs> sure, I bet that that is Bradley Cooper. Okay. But most of the motion capture that they did of like Rocket in like group shots and wider shots, just like doing everything, that was Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, who of plays Gilmore Girls fame. of Gilmore Girls fame? Who plays? Oh my God, what's who does he play in the movie? He's what? I forget his name in the movie, but he's uh, Sebastian the Crab in The Little Mermaid. No, he also no, he's plays not. Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. No, he doesn't. He's Zazu in The Lion King, <laughs> and in Mulan, he's the dragon. But only for the stunts, because Eddie Murphy did most of the dragon voice, but every once in a while they had to have Sean Gunn come in and do the dragon voice. You're full of shit, right? That is correct, yes. 100%. Okay, just disregard everything Winston just said. Craglin. Craglin is the name of the character that he plays in his live action form. I'm not sure. I'm going to need a source. Yeah, yeah. It's called IMDB, Internet Movie Database. Dot, 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 com. dot com. But yeah, so Sean Gunn, because he was on set most of the time, and they just needed someone to stand in for Rocket, and they really weren't sure. Like in the first movie, they really weren't sure how they were going to do it while they were filming it. So Sean Gunn is kind of the, the, the motion. He's the anti-circus minus the voice of Rocket. So let's give Sean Gunn the credit where he's due. Credit. Credit. But yeah, so back to these genetic cross grapes. So this made me think of a couple other 
grapes that are genetically crossed and how, uh, you know, Rocket might be able to overcome the stigma. Because in the wine community, unfortunately, there is a stigma against Pinotage, at least, at least here, at least in America. I don't know about elsewhere in the world necessarily. Um, and like I said, I think it's just that because I've had good Pinotage. I think it's that most of the good Pinotage stays in South Africa. So if you're in South Africa, I highly encourage you to go try Pinotage. And I encourage you to try it in America as well. I just have found that there isn't a good one under $25 a bottle. And if I'm going to spend that much money on a bottle of wine, I'm usually not going to go for a Pinotage. But I do encourage you to try it. It's perfect barbecue fare. It's really good with like burgers, barbecue, when it's when it's good. Speaking of Austria, it's all coming back to Austria, which is very interesting because I actually have another it's episode fresh. planned coming up that's gonna be more focused on Austrian one. So I'm not gonna get too much more into it, but there is another grape that is a genetic cross called Zweigelt, which is... Oh, I like Zweigelt. I love Zweigelt. Yeah. I love Zweigelt. And actually, Burger makes a very good Zweigelt as well. Oh, and Zweig So Zweigelt is an Austrian red wine that is a genetic cross between the grapes Blaufränkisch, which, as you all know, is my favorite, just as all Minotaurs are librarians. As everyone as knows. As everyone knows. So a cross between Blaufränkisch and Saint Laurent, which is another kind of Pinot Noir-ish kind of grape. And so I feel like you know, Rocket, and, and meanwhile, like, Zweigelt, it's not necessarily considered one of, like, the great wines in the world, but it's really good, and it's, and it's spicy, but it's, it's, it's not super high in tannin, so it's kind of easy drinking, quaffable, which is really good, and part of what I love about Gruner's and Zweigelt's is that they often come in liter bottles, and I feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are just quaffable movies yeah they're just quaffable movies you don't need anything too intense and serious to watch them with you know they're not that any of the movies in the mcu are like super serious what well, doesn't mean they don't have substance but they are very easily consumable yes yes know? before we talk about the remaining guardians and what they would drink let's dive into our first ever mid-roll You know how at the beginning of the first Guardians of the Galaxy, Yondu is like real mad at Peter and he puts out a bounty on him and then Rocket and Groot try to make good on the bounty and it all just ends up in a huge mess with all of them in prison? Well, it probably would have saved Yondu all that trouble if he'd used ZipRecruiter. We're proud to partner with ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience, and actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com pairing, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-A-I-R-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I, for one, am thinking about starting up my own wine tasting business. And once I make that happen, I know that I will go to ZipRecruiter.com slash pairing to post a job for free and find talent that can help me grow my business. Whether you're a small business owner, creative, or the CEO of a huge company, ZipRecruiter makes it easy for you. Thank you, ZipRecruiter, for sponsoring Pairing. And now, back to the show. Okay, so that's my little connection to, to um, Rocket. But then I was going on with that, and that brought me also to Drax, because I feel like Zweigelt's a really good wine for Drax also. So we're sort of staying in this German grape region right that wasn't on purpose that's just kind of i'm just kind of thinking about like really good quaffable wines and so for drax what i wrote here is tough but is secretly a huge softy a gentle giant kind of like andre as in andre the giant um, it's not his fault being the biggest and the strongest yeah he doesn't even exercise i know i love it that i feel like austrian wine is good for drax because because it comes in the larger format often, you get liter bottles, which is my favorite thing. Like when I was working in wine stores, 
I would, I would often suggest like a Gruner or a Zweigelt to people that came in a liter bottle with a screw cap. And, you know, I'd say, and, you know, this is actually 25% more than a normal 750. So you're getting more than, you, you know, you, you would normally get. So the normal bottle is 750 milliliters? Yes. And a liter is a thousand milliliters. There you go. You, metric system. Metric making all the system. sense. I know. It makes so much sense. But I feel like Drax, you know, he would be the kind of guy who he would just like grab a liter bottle of Gruner or a liter bottle of Zweigel, crack it open, and just chug the whole thing. Right, you know? like, I desire alcohol. Yes. <laughs> I have ingested it. Yes. Uh, Dave Bautista. What a, what a gem. I love that he's getting this kind of renaissance in his career because he was a wrestler. Um, I believe, I, I think he's retired from wrestling. I'm not sure if he still wrestles. You have to ask Julia Schifini. Yeah. Hey, Julia. <laughs> it is 2015 after you, all. You might be editing this. So yeah. can you tell me if Dave Bautista still wrestles? But so, so Dave Bautista, so st- at least starting with, I don't, I don't know if Guardians was the first movie that he was in, but one of the first that he was definitely recognized in. And then he's in the beginning of the new Blade Runner. And I believe he's going to be in the new Dune movie. Yes. Dope as yeah. who? I forget who he's playing. We could look it up. It's not telling me who he's playing. But he's going to be in it. And it's going to be super fun. Good. And he just seems like just like a delightful human being. My bet yes. is that he plays Beast Raban. Could, that's, that's my bet. Could be. I don't remember Dune well enough to... I know that... Um, Who's the really bad guy? The Baron Harkonnen. Baron Harkonnen. That is going to be Stellan Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Yes. So he's the floaty fat guy. Yes, he's the floaty fat guy who's got all the spritzy stuff. Yeah. Who I paired with Gewürztraminer in our in our dude episode because the more things change, the more things change the same. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I don't know who's going to play the sting part of oh, Fade Rautha. And I forget. I know I know part. Timothy Chalamet is in it, but I, for, I forget which part he's... I think he's doing Paul Atreides. Didn't we find out who was playing Leto, too? I don't remember. And it's not Sean Bean, for once? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to... We're, this is too much of a sidebar. We're, we're so going to have to look this up. But I know... Oh, yeah. Okay, so Timothy Chalamet is going to be Paul Atreides. Jason Momoa is Duncan Idaho. Dope. Zendaya is Chani. I don't remember who John Chani is. She's but... um she's the Fremen uh, concubine. Oh, very nice. Ooh, Oscar Isaac is also in it. It's not saying who he's playing. As is Josh Brolin. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a hell of a cast. Javier Bardem, Charlotte Rampling. Dang. God damn. God, God damn. Damn. Yeah. This is going to be the real deal. Anyway, back to Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, sure. Okay, okay. so we're almost done here. Um, so then there is Gamora. And deadliest woman in the galaxy. She's the deadliest woman in the galaxy. And I feel like Gamora and Zoe Saldana, who per- portrays her, are kind of not given enough to do in these movies. No, not nearly. Not nearly enough. She has great comedic timing, too. Oh, she's so funny. She's Zoe Saldana is so, so talented and so great. When she delivers that line where she's like, we're just like Kevin Bacon. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. She's awesome. Yeah. She's so, she's so great. But yes, so, and as she herself has commented on, so I don't feel too bad for making this, this joke in this connection, is that she's played a blue person and a green person because she was in Avatar. <laughs> and um, and she's Gamora in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and so being green, this is going to bring me back to Vino Verde. From, it's not easy being green. It's not easy being green. This brings me back to Vino Verde from Portugal, which we were talking about before, which mm-hmm. is that slightly effervescent, low in alcohol, easy, easy, Easily quaffable. We call them the Portuguese porch pounders in uh, in my last store because they're they're just easy to 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 drink the whole thing. But so vino verde literally translates to green wine, but it doesn't. It, vino verde is not actually green. It's usually a white wine, but it can be rosé, and in rare instances, it can be red. It's the grape that gives it that name. No, it is no? the region, and uh-huh. it and it's the style. And so, actually, I think the region is called Mino, M-I-N-H-O. But 
in Portugal. But so Vino Verde, it's, it's its own, you know, appellation, its own wine region. But so Vino Verde, it means green wine, but what that means is just young wine, which means it's, it's meant to be picked early, it's fermented quickly, and turned into this lightly effervescent. We're not going to spend a lot of time aging this wine. We're just going to... No. No, in fact, I... Make it, put it on the table. Yes. And, you know, there's there's some Vino Verde that's really good, and there's some Vino Verde that's not my cup of tea um, because I feel like you can taste, like, the sugar in it a little too much. Yeah. Um, but there was one there was one Rosé Vino Verde that I, that I used to sell called Arca Nova, and I loved that. I loved it. It was super dry and, like, tart um, as opposed to being, like, kind of soft and easy and kind of sweet. Um, I also have a, an episode coming up about Portuguese wine, so we're going to talk more about that then. But I just thought that. But then, so Vino Verde made me think of a different region nearby oh. in España, in oh. Spain, España. where, Winston, you and I were. Yeah. We were in San Sebastián. San Sebastián. San Sebastián. Or yeah. Donosti. Donosti. That was the Basque name for it, I believe. So, San Sebastián is in Basque country in northern Spain. And Basque country is famous for both its ciders, the Basque ciders, which are unfiltered, really kind of funky. They remind me of sour beer, kind of. But so they're famous for their, their Basque ciders and a wine called... Chacoli! Chacoli! So good. Oh my god, Chacoli is so good. And Chacoli is kind of like the more serious version of vino verde because it's slightly effervescent pretty low in alcohol but usually much much higher in acidity it actually some of them really taste to me like basque cider and you uh, pour more them in the, this really cool way yeah with a poiron or or actually not necessarily with a poiron but they're that that uh I, I don't know what the special pouring thing is called yeah, but it's the know. same it's you know if you go so if you go out to a tapas bar in uh, in San Sebastian, which you absolutely have to do if you're in San Sebastian, and if you need any recommendations, oh, there are pincho bars. In oh, I'm San sorry, Sebastian, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right? Yes, go out to the pincho bars, and because it's Basque, so yes, it's, it's a slightly... and pinchos and pinchos are slightly different from tapas. Yeah, they're um, sort of seafood and bread heavy. It's mostly something on bread. I think yeah. is what pinchos are. But so, if you're going out to a pincho bar, which you should, if you're in San Sebastian, and you eat that kind of thing, and you eat that kind of thing. Hit us up because we've got some recommendations for where you should go. But also, you should order the Chacoli. Um, and I remember, I remember like finally getting up. I, we'd, been in, we'd been in San Sebastian for a few days and I hadn't gotten any Chacoli. And our, or maybe I'd gotten like a bottle of it at home. But we went out to this Pincho bar and I was like, do you have any Chacoli? And he was like, I mean, it was in Spanish, but it was basically like, if if you go to a pincho bar and they don't have chacoli, leave the bar. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that was the day that it was raining super hard. Yeah, yeah. And we wanted to go to the aquarium, but we ended up walking home in the rain. But we stopped at the weird little deli and we bought a bottle of chacoli. Mm-hmm. And we bought a bottle of like Iberian ham or package of Iberian ham. No, a bottle. We bought, they, we bought they, put every, they put everything in they bottles. Don't, they, they don't make that. that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They should, but they don't. Um, okay, but so I feel like Chacoli is a much better wine for Gamora because, and there's something about like the way it's poured. It's like, it's so beautiful and acrobatic and like she, it like reminds me of how she. Even the act of it is artisanal. Yes. Of. And also it's like, it's light and sprightly, yeah. but you pour it like from a high angle. Yeah, it's so one you of those pour things it. where you pour it from like eighteen inches. It's the same. It's the same way that you pour Basque cider. Um, so if you look up how to pour Basque cider, and there's a video of me doing this that you took, but I feel like that's a that's a a, a better grape for Gomorra, or that's a better wine for Gomorra than Vino Verde. Like Vino Verde, it's usually a blend of several indigenous grapes to that region. Um, so it's not like it's one grape in particular. It's just that's the name of the region. But staying in Spain, I was thinking about it. I think that the grape Mencia or Mencia from Galicia in northwest Spain, so just to the west of where we were in San Sebastian, yeah. I think that's a really good grape for Gamora. It's a, it's a red wine that's – I like to describe it as it's like if 
Pinot Noir and Syrah had a child. Ooh. Yeah, because it's got that kind of, it has a little hint of that black olive thing that's in some Syrah that I'm not a huge fan of, but it's not quite as overbearing. It's a little bit lighter. It's not quite as high in tannin. Um, and there's some really, really good ones. The Petalos Menthia is one of my favorites. We got a couple bottles of another one that I can't remember the name of right now. But it's one of those that like people don't know what it is, but people should know what it is because it's so, 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 so good. But it's kind of underrated and overlooked. Like I feel like Gomorrah is underrated and overlooked in general in these seri- in this series. As are all women in until, most until Captain Mar- Until Captain Marvel. Well, and also general okoye yeah well actually that's fair until black panther until black panther actually because black panther the women in black panther are all at the forefront they're way more interesting than nakia yeah dope they're all more interesting than t'challa to me i agree but anyway love you chadwick boseman you're great you're amazing match but so okay so speaking of spain so i've gone from austria to spain I don't know. But Tempranillos? Well, yeah, we're about to talk about Tempranillos. <gasps> for... Guys, we're about to talk about Tempranillos. I Sparkle. know. You know I wouldn't bring Winston back into an episode without talking about Tempranillos. Listeners, I like Tempranillos. <gasps> Did you know this, listeners? So we're talking about Tempranillo in honor of Winston being here. And so the first the first wine that came to mind for me was a Ribera de Duero. Of course. Which you know. Is one of my favorites. Yes. And is usually 100% Tempranillo, if not always. And the winemaker, the wine company Torres, which I've actually, I've talked about before, but in the context of Chile, actually, um, in the Sorcerer's Stone episodes with uh, our producer, Emma Cohen. So Torres is a big, fairly big company, fairly big wine company, but they began in Spain and then they branched out to Chile as well. So they've got some wine in Chile, but they've got some wine in Spain as well. And Much they, like Spain, they began in Spain and branched yeah, out to Chile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so um, this Ribera del Duero is called Celeste. It's got stars on the on the label and it's basically Makes like sense. celestial you know yeah. it's a celestial wine and it's i was a red like, wine mm-hmm. yeah. it's a tempranillo oh, yeah. though there are white tempranillos i believe i have had a white tempranillo it is delicious <laughs> okay but so so i was thinking about this wine because you know obviously peter quill calls himself star lord but then i was thinking about torres also makes a much less expensive tempranillo called uh, sangre de toro, which means blood of the bull. Blood of the bull. And I was okay. like, oh my God, speaking of Hemingway, since we were talking about uh, Hemingway versus Faulkner earlier yeah. in Sancerre and all that. Um, Hemingway wins, by the way. No, Faulkner does. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> But so I was thinking about how to, at the start of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Peter Quill is very much the sangre de, sangre de toro tempranillo because he's very macho, he's overcompensating, he's kind of a player and a douchebag. But then by, I would say by the the end of the second movie, which I love the second Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. Me too, and I will not apologize for it. Yeah, me neither. I know there are some people who are like, uh, I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but I hate the second one. I don't understand you. Tell me why. Don't, I mean, maybe maybe don't get at me, but you can get at me. No, don't get at Emma. Get at me. Yeah, yeah. At- Sometimes I have downtime, yeah. <laughs> and I need to fight. And I will fight you. He loves to fight. But so... I, I, I literally don't understand how you can love the first movie and not love the second. Because I feel like the second just grows and expands upon it. And it does things differently. It does some things the same. You know, it's similar enough of a tone, but it takes things to a different... And Well, I think... Uh, anyway. Sorry, go ahead. You, you need to complete your... Well, thoughts. I was just going to complete my thought by saying, by the end of the second movie, Peter Quill has become the Celeste, the Torres Celeste, Ribera del Duero. The of heaven. Yeah, the <laughs> bowl of heaven. Um, and, you know, hopefully by the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which they are making, yeah. so we know that they 
come back after they were disintegrated. Unless Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is just Rocket and Nebula <laughs> doing some shit. But <laughs> just having an odd couple time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you ever clean the ship? I don't know what I want. I don't know. I, Which, by the way, Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, love her so much. We saw, so when we were at Dragon Con a few years ago, we saw... Michael Rooker, who plays Yondu, Sean Gunn, who is the body of Rocket, and Craglin. One of the Ravagers. One of the Ravagers. And Karen Gillan um, on a panel. And, and another And another guy, too, who, like, everybody seemed to know who he was. I was like, I have no idea who you fucking are. They were are, like, but... that's Dan from yeah. scene five. <laughs> and we were like, we totally know Dan. I think he was one of the Ravagers, too. But I, if he had a line, it was one, yeah. you know, so. Well, what's interesting is, you know, I often talk about uh, Mithras, right? Sure. I'm looking at him right now. Yeah. So <laughs> Mithras is uh, a Persian god that may or may not have been inspired by the original Sumerian god Marduk. But his whole thing is he kills the bull of heaven in order to make the world in a similar mm. way that Odin makes the world from the first giant Yugasa white man, whatever his name is. No, I think I think that's really interesting and I and I do think that the the kind of the mythological element of Marvel is part of why it's so appealing to everybody. And and the fact that it is interconnected, you know, the fact that like Iron Man and Captain America belong to the same universe as Gamora and Rocket. And Star Lord. And Star Lord. And Silver and, Surfer and Spider Man. Yeah. And so, and like, and they all come together. And that's why it's so exciting having Endgame coming up for me, at least. Absolutely if for not, me, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought Infinity War was fantastic. Me, too. I really enjoyed Infinity War. And I know a lot of you who are listening did not. And that is okay. You are entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong. You're probably. You are definitely wrong. <laughs> and I will tell you why. <laughs> No, that's not fair. You, everyone's it. It's like wine. It's subjective. It really is. It is. And if you don't like, if you don't like the MCU, that's fine. If you don't like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, that's fine. I don't understand it. It's it would be like not liking this Gruner Veltliner. Yeah. And I don't see how you could not like this. And part of what's cool about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I mean, they're obviously mostly about Peter Quill, about Chris Pratt and his character. But you do get somewhat of hero's journeys for the other characters as well. You do, yeah. And especially, I think that's I mean, part Groot of why... in the first movie? Groot in and... the first movie, and that's part of why I like the second movie so much is because so much of it is about Rocket and, and Yondu and how they're kind of Absolutely. related. And then Gamora we don't really get anything from until uh, Infinity War. Which is Where, a travesty because well, Zoe Saldana is so much better than that. Yes, and I think I think she's coming back, and I, I think so too. I one. I think she I think she's coming back from everything that I have heard. But in many ways, in so many ways, she is like the most important person in this cosmic fight that yeah. Thanos has created, except maybe for Captain Marvel. Except maybe for Captain Marvel, but we but we weren't introduced to her when Infinity right. War came out, right? Right. So we didn't we didn't know that yet. Sure. Um, but Gamora is kind of the only person that Thanos seems to care have, about. Care about seems to have genuine love and affection for, and yet that it only seems to be a prop, and only proves. You know, that he really doesn't care when he sacrifices her. Well, they make her a prop and... for Thanos. What, what's, right. what I have mixed feelings about Infinity War is but... I think it's weird that it's basically Thanos' movie. It he's is. He's the one who goes on a journey. Yeah. He's the one that, like, we're seeing, like, oh, he's sacrificed his daughter. Yeah. Now he's got the thing. He's killed all these people. He's got to see it through. And everyone else we just get little snippets of. But he's the one. Yeah that we're actually seeing yeah. through the whole film. Yeah. And I'm not actually even saying that's a bad choice. No, I, like, I, I... That's a 
pretty I, big reverse. I mean, that doesn't even happen in any of the Star Wars movies. You don't get like a... Even Empire Strikes Back is not Darth Vader's movie. Yeah. It's kind of Han Solo's movie. Yeah. You know, you don't really get like a Kylo Ren movie or a At least not Palpatine yet. movie. Though, or... though I do think that, that Kylo Ren for, is the first one, is the first kind of Star Wars villain that we do see his arc yeah a little bit true we don't it's it's not like we're only it's not his arc that's necessarily driving true the movie oh my god so we've we've managed to talk for almost an hour about guardians of the galaxy and we haven't talked about the music ah the music is so good in this movie and okay so this is this is a feeling that i have about a lot of movies and shows recently that have been coming out borrowed glory yes that have been taking advantage of this thing called borrowed glory which basically is using really great music to trick you into thinking (laughs) that the movie is really good you're like i'm Zack snyder and my movies all suck why don't i play a bunch of bob dylan and rolling stones and then you'll think my movie is better right Right. Or for me, the most recent example, and I know some people disagree, but the most recent example for me was um, Umbrella Academy. Oh, God. Which was so mediocre. You mean the shittiest X-Men? So mediocre. Yeah. And I know know some people liked it out there. Again, you know, like like you're probably the same people that don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. So, (laughs) no, actually. You're very wrong. No, I'm actually curious because like there's so much... Like, like, it's so close to being good, but the writing is so, so bad. So I'm wondering what it is that appeals to people. But then there's, like, a movie like Atomic Blonde. And while I feel like Atomic Blonde, for the first half of the movie, I kind of felt like it was relying too heavily on the soundtrack. Leans a little too hard on it. Yes. And Agree. I was like, I'm Agree. not sure if this is a good movie or if it's just really pretty and has a great soundtrack. But then Charlize Theron fights dudes down five flights yes. of stairs. Yes. And, and then it, and then like halfway through the movie becomes just an amazing movie. Also, you're wrong if you disagree. This is a continuing theme. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting with Winston is great because, you know. I have a high openness score. Yeah. (laughs) Really low conscientiousness score. Yeah. But my feeling about Guardians of the Galaxy is that the the soundtrack is, is a character. It doesn't feel like, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Like the opening scenes and in different, like at different moments, like using, oh my God, uh, the, come and get your love. Come and get your love. But what what am I thinking of? The the Fleetwood Mac in The Chain. The Chain yeah. in the second movie. Oh my god. It's so effective. And to me, I would argue that it's not as much borrowed glory as it is like homage and like creating a world. No, I think it's it's what you said. I and yeah. I, I don't think you're the first person to say that. I think the idea of the soundtrack being a character is a cliche to begin with, but in this movie, it was uniquely true. Mm-hmm. It's been said a lot. Yeah. But my question to you is, yeah. is what character is this sound? Is this like some sort of Peter Quill alter ego? Like what are, what are yeah. we getting from all this music? Because I the other characters getting... seem to interact with it too. It's true. Well, what I think it is, is it's, it's Peter Quill's life that he didn't get to have on Earth. And so this, you know, these mixtapes are all that he has left of his mom and all that he has left of Earth, really, where he was born. And so he's got this idea of the world that is reflected through this music and through, uh, what's his name, David Hasselhoff, you know, and Kevin Bacon. Bacon. We're just like Kevin Bacon. We're just like Kevin Bacon. You know, and and it's this beautiful kind of naive nostalgia right that i do think is a really important part of the movie he is one of the few boy men that i kind of like yeah because well because you do get to see him grow up a little bit and you also can really i don't know i can really sympathize with the world suddenly not being what you thought it was well i also think it's kind of cool that the guardians becoming 
family is sort of reflected in them starting to really like the music. Yes. And so like by the end of the first movie, they're all kind of dancing to, um, Oh baby, give me one more chance by the Jackson five. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then by the time we see them for the first time in infinity war, everyone is lip syncing to the rubber man. Yeah, that's right. And, and the incredible opening scene to to the second oh movie God, with, with Groot. ELO. Yes, with Groot dancing to ELO. <laughs> Mr. Blue's guy. Oh That's my uh, blew my mind. So good. Probably so almost good. got arrested laughing so hard at that. <laughs> we did laugh really, really hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and so that brings me back to like, yeah, the idea of found family. The the music kind of carries the ultimate optimism of the film. And also this idea that you just mentioned of like of your found family. And that, especially in the second movie, is very much the point of the Guardians of the Galaxy is that your family is who you choose your family to be, not necessarily who your family is. And I thought that and was actually reflected pretty well in Captain Marvel as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just it. There's such fun funny, clever movies that are just fun to watch, fun to listen to, and have a little bit more to say than I think people give them credit for. I think they've got the most heart of any of the movies in the MCU. What I would say is uh, that while the villains may not be very impressive in these films, Mm -hmm. they are fundamentally films about family. Yeah. They're first of all about found family in the first one, and then mm-hmm. it's about um, parent-child relationships in the second one. Which I think carries on the idea of found family. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. it does. But I and, mean, the, to, and the relationship between Gamora and Nebula yeah. is expanded upon the fact that they, yeah, they sisters, come to a sort of I mean, peace. And... Yeah. To me, as a person who has a sort of a, an interesting, funky relationship with biological parents and step parents and all that stuff you know i'm sure i'm not the only one but um it really resonates with me mm-hmm. as that kind of found family way to move forward thing yeah which just yeah just want to say to you kids that's not an illegitimate family oh, your absolutely. found family is your real family and that can include your biological family and that's great mm-hmm. if it does and if it doesn't that's fine too great too yeah yeah I do think, you know, especially the second movie and the relationship between Peter and Ego is a quite drastic way of saying, yeah, sometimes your real family sucks. Right. And and then Yondu, and, his found father. Right. Turns Who's not to, perfect. No. But loves him. Right. I mean, fathers and sons plays at the end of the movie. Uh, it's not a subtle message. Father and son, yeah. But Cat Stevens, <laughs> oh, so good. I said it was so subtle. good, so good. Um, just real quick, just talking about how the villains of the MCU are not always the strongest. While I actually like Ego as a villain, and Kurt Russell is... He's better than Ronan the Accuser. Well, that's what I was going to say. Ronan the Accuser is like the up there for most boring slash underutilized villain. Yeah. And it's really, you know, Ron- I like that in Captain Marvel, we we get a little throwback to Ronin and Jamon Hunsu and yeah, all these things. Yeah, you get to learn a little bit more we, about yeah. them. That's great. We do. And that's great. But we didn't know any of that going into the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's really hard yeah. to like care about him. Yeah, we just knew and they were pointlessly malevolent. I know. And, and so Lee Pace, who plays Ronin, the accuser, I feel like he's just like, either made some unfortunate decisions or been handed some unfortunate decisions. It's probably, I mean, so he was Thranduil in the Hobbit movies, who's Legolas's dad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, one of the forgettable elves. Yes. Very forgettable, which he shouldn't have been, but I don't blame him. I don't blame Lee Pace. So Lee Pace was in, uh, Pushing Daisies, which is one of the move, one of the shows that got tragically, canceled before it's, it's time. It's never the elves' fault. It's, it's the parents. Exactly. It's never his fault. But yeah, I love Lee Pace. He's really funny. He's like, I've seen him do, a, he's great. He's a great actor and just so underutilized in both Marvel and uh, the Hobbit movies, which you all know how I feel about the Hobbit movies. If you don't know how I feel about the Hobbit movies, go back to the first episode of Pairing and you will hear about how I feel about them. 
Anyway, so, but, but yeah, it like, Ronan feels very much he like he's there just as a stepping stone to Thanos. And that's fine, but... They don't give him enough to do. I feel yeah, like... Yeah, they give him nothing to do. Just like, like they give Gamora yeah. very little to do. Yeah, like in Lee Pace's defense, I want to I wanna postulate that he could do a better job. Oh, yeah. If they gave him something to do. No, no, I don't think but, this is Lee Pace's fault. But, the, I'm, but I, he's just the most generic, cookie-cutter, evil villain yeah. that you could ever... And that's... It's, you know, it's not the only Marvel film to suffer Mm-mm. from that. Like, um, if Loki wasn't written well for Tom Hiddleston, yeah. I think, like, the first Avengers movie would be pointless. Yeah, actually. If, like, if you didn't have, like, a little sense of humor and Tom Hiddleston getting to play in the first Avengers movie, it would just be ridiculous. It's like, what? He wants to conquer Earth? Yeah. Why does he want to conquer Earth? Well, he Earth? kind of is. He's you kind know? of... He <laughs> kind of... It's ridiculous. Like, what? At least in that context, Loki and Ronan, the accuser, are kind of the same. Right. You know, they play very much the yeah. same role. They're... they're uh, I'm a god. You haven't respected me enough. Yeah. Like and they're and they're a flunky... And they're thing. a flunky of Thanos. Yeah, for higher powers. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. These movies are wonderful. Fight me. You should drink some wonderful, delicious, easy, don't worry about it wine. Some you know? Wine. Like like another one if you don't want to go with the Vino Verde route, um, like just like a sparkling wine, a sparkling rose. Cheers. Cheers. Ding. Cheers, ding. <laughs> Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Check out our new merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.